Hey everybody, this is Della Ren. You're listening to Spirituality Unpacked, the show where we understand ourselves and each other better by getting out of our heads and freeing ourselves to live lives we love. Hey folks, it's Della. Welcome to, welcome back to Spirituality Unpacked. I hope you are doing well. Happy Monday. So today I wanted to put in here the first half hour of Cut Out the Doubt, just to give you a little preview, a little play of what I was talking about uh, last week when I did that presentation. Uh, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to let that run through here and I'll be back after. The What I've learned about life and my experience is that it's been showing me who I am and who I'm not. It's been showing me what needs to change within myself. So the deal is, is I can't change the outside world. It's just going to be what it is. And my job is to be okay within myself and learn how to do it in a way that is healthy. We don't want to be completely like dissociating from everything, but still be able to be okay all the time or most of the time, right? Reactions and responses are always a choice. And so we get to decide what to do with what happens around us. We don't have to take anything on. We don't have to judge it. We don't have to respond or react. We don't have to do a lot of things. We make choices. Some of those things we get told, we learn them, we're taught them as children or even as adults. Some of them are Um, more coping mechanisms and survival skills that we learn from pain and trauma from our life experience. It teaches us that. So my general theory or the overarching idea that I've come to is that we basically are an audience member in our own lives. And we have the ability to clap when it goes well and be really miserable when it's not. It's all about what we do with it. And so what I teach and what I offer and what I continue to talk about is this idea of getting out of the experience enough to allow yourself to basically get a word in edgewise, have the ability to make a choice. Okay, I see this, it's triggering this whole thing. It happened when I was a little kid. I'm not happy about it. Okay, what am I gonna do with that? so that we're not constantly in pain, so that when we look at the outside world and we see it's chaotic, it's crazy, it's a wild ride right now, it's only going to get worse. When we look out there and we see that, we don't always have to be in pain. We don't always have to be upset about what we see around us. It's not a, it's not a constant source of discomfort. We learn how to be okay in sort of our own bubble a little bit. So with the goal being that we sort of shift the perspective of how we see things so that it's it's not so wild. When we shift it and we can feel better, we allow ourselves to be okay in those moments. We, we get okay in the experience. Not everything has to be a problem. Not everything has to be chaos. Not everything has to be bad. We, we get to make choices. And that's really what I offer, is the ability to make choices. And that's what we're going to talk about, because doubt is a choice. That that whole thing is all, that feeling is a choice. It's based on trauma. It's based on pain. 
So what we get taught to do though is dig through the pain. Well, anybody can pull up a picture and cry. Anybody can pull up a memory and make themselves sad. You can go watch a sappy movie and get upset. So the idea that somehow you would stop responding to memories or stop being bothered by a memory is kind of ridiculous. You're not going to. When, you, when the memory is triggered, you're always going to feel it. The emotion comes with the memory. So the question is, what do you do with that? Recognize it. Recognize that the memory is going to upset you. And then when it gets triggered, when it comes up, what do you do? Do you project that outward? Does it just go? Do you just yell and scream or, or, or blame other people for how they're making you feel? The thing is, is they triggered the memory, but that's not their fault. They don't know that memory is there. So we're not going to let them trigger us that way. We may have to accept that, okay, we feel this way, but it doesn't have to be their fault. We don't have to do the blame. We don't have to make other people responsible for tiptoeing around us. We get to make a choice. Right? So now let's move towards doubt because that's the, that's the umbrella. Okay. That's the big umbrella. That's the big idea. So now let's move towards where we were going, which is this idea of doubt and what to do with it. Life gives you a goal, a dream, an idea, a, a path. It wants you to go in a direction. For me, it was this. Okay. Life gave me the goal. Here's the dream. I want to talk. I want to write. I want to share. I want to do this stuff. Okay. How did I get here? I had to go through a lot of doubt and fear to do that. Right? So Ken, if the comment section will let you play along with me, what's your dream? What's the big goal? Where are you going? Where are you trying to get to? For me, it was this, even with only one person here, for me, it was this. It was the idea that I could write, write books, write blogs, share constantly and talk, right? The other way of doing it was to talk. And I wouldn't let myself, for years I wouldn't let myself because I had all the doubt and all the worry and all the fear, but there was a big goal, okay? So the question is, where's your focus? You get the big goal, but what are you actually paying attention to? What are you actually paying attention to? Are you paying attention to, oh, cool, I have this neat idea and I'm going to go do it? Or are you more like, oh my God, the world's going to end and nobody's going to like it and, nobody, and everybody's going to think I'm awful and all these things are going to happen? What, what, what's the thought? What are you thinking about? And what does that look like? Right? What does that look like? Right? Just making sure. It's grumbling on my end, so I'm just making sure that we're okay. All right? So what does that look like? Where's your focus? What are you paying attention to? Are you paying attention to all the reasons why not? Or are you paying attention to the reasons why? Or are you managing to figure out how to balance both? And that's where we're going. So you get the big idea. And now the brain wants to go down the rabbit hole, right? What you're telling yourself here is important. 
So if you're me, you got caught in a whole lot of fear. I got caught in, I can't write and make a living. I can't, I can't just do what I want and be okay. I'm not allowed. I, I'm, I have to do all these other things. So I had a whole list of them. I have to do all these other things first. Part of that was what I'd seen in the outside world. And part of that was just doubt. It was just fear on my part. So I had to do all these things. I had to do private coaching and I, you know, I did tarot and I, I did all this other stuff because I thought I had to in order to be able to be okay. And the truth is, as I've discovered here in the last while, that me doing this and just having one person show up was a problem for me. I wasn't okay with that. I had to get okay with the one person showing up. I, I even had to get okay with me talking to myself. Because it was possible that I was just going to end up recording this on my own, privately. And that would have been fine. But I wasn't ready for that yet. So there was a time when I would have put a handful of people in here for free, just to have people. There was a time when I would have, or canceled it entirely and just not done it, there was a time when I wouldn't have allowed this to go forward right now because of all the worry and fear and doubt and all the things. The belief that it had to look a certain way, the belief that it had to be okay, that other people had to approve, right? Because I saw you being here as approval. So if nobody was here, then it wasn't okay. I wasn't allowed. I needed approval. So because of that kind of a focus, because of where I was paying attention to and what I was thinking, my focus was on the problems, most of which I had no control over, things I could do nothing about. My focus was on the unknowns, things I didn't know. How would it actually work? What would actually happen? Instead of on being happy and excited about what I'm doing and not necessarily needing an audience to do it. So what's your big goal? Where are you going? Where are you trying to get to? What are you paying attention to? Are you doing what I did to myself, which is focusing on the reasons why not? Or are you getting excited? about what you want? And are you allowing that excitement to guide the way, right? What happens when you focus on the positives? What happens when you focus on what you want? How does that change how you feel? How does that shift your focus? What does that do for you? gives you the power then to stand there and actually just allow yourself to do it. 
So we get taught in life to make pros and cons lists. We we make the pro we, we, we make the reasons why we should, we make the reasons why we shouldn't. And then we focus on the cons. Because we either want to problem solve them, fix them, or they defend the problem and give us a reason why not. It becomes a giant excuse list. And we pretty much ignore the positives. We, know, we ignore the pros. We ignore the reasons why. Because the problems scream louder. The reasons why not scream louder. And we feel like we need to have all of those solved before we allow ourselves to move forward. And I promise you that that will keep you stuck. And that will keep you wondering and doubting and questioning and arguing with what you want. You will stay there. When you focus on the pros and you recognize the cons are mostly out of your control and also unknown to you, then you simply allow yourself to move. You allow yourself to move forward when you shift your focus a little bit differently. So what we're going to do is we're going to figure out how to do that. I'm going to take you through the process that I've been through here to get to the place where I could do this and talk to one person or even talk to myself and be okay with that. Okay. Chances are, if you're watching this, the reason why you watch this, whether you're catching it live or catching it on a replay, is because there's doubt somewhere. The, the cons list is screaming at you really loudly and you're trying to figure out how to move through that and I want to help you do that. Okay. So let's start with the good stuff first because there's the why you want to. Okay. How it makes you feel. Maybe it's freedom. The ability to do your own thing your own way. That was certainly my thing, right? Um, gives you some control over your own life. Not working for other people is kind of cool, right? Um, for me, it was about taking my power back because I had all that powerlessness going on and I was blaming everybody else for my life instead of taking responsibility for it. So what working for myself did was it forced me to take responsibility for my own stuff. It forced me to own my life and my experiences in a way that working for other people never made me do. Working for other people, I was always sort of, you're in a system and you're limited in your power and what you can control and what you can do. And I did much better working for other people in terms of taking owner, owning my own stuff than I ever did in my own life. The problem for, with working for other people for me became that it wasn't fulfilling. I'm a teacher by trade, so I, I worked with little kids. But they're a captive audience. And they're not choosing to be here. They're forced to be here. And most of the time they don't want to be here. So be there. So my biggest grumble about teaching wasn't the teaching itself. It was the fact that the audience wasn't voluntary. So then I moved to teaching computers to adults. 
hoping that I would find um, people that actually wanted to learn how to use computers and were excited about the idea. And what I ended up getting was people who needed their computer skills, needed the computer skills for their jobs. They were being forced to go techie because the companies they were working for were all taking on tech. It was still, you know, the early 2000s, right? So tech was, was becoming a thing, but it wasn't, it wasn't the thing it is now. So these people were all having to learn how to do word processing and, and, and use the internet and send emails and, and do this kind of stuff. So this still wasn't voluntary. They were still doing it because they felt like they had to to keep their jobs. So once again, I struggled with not having an audience that actually wanted what I was offering. And it was a big part of the frustration for me as I moved through that work. The thing was, was that I was at least doing and teaching things that I liked. That was the pro and that was the reason why I stayed in it as long as I did is because I actually liked teaching computers. What I didn't like was that the audience was still captive and I still had a lot of stuff, a lot of pain that I had to work through to be able to be okay doing that. And I wouldn't work through it, not then, not at that point. I would need to get to here to be able to work through all of that stuff, right? So the reasons why for me were very much that I wanted to teach things that I enjoyed. I was looking for an audience that actually wanted to be there. I didn't have control over that and I never found it. I was looking for the freedom to work in my own work on my own time, in my own space, on my own hours, when I felt like it, around my kids, who were much younger then. My son was only a baby. I wanted more freedom. That's always been the big thing, was more freedom. Now, what did freedom look like for me? Freedom for me looked like money. So freedom for me looked like the ability to make more than I was working for other people, than I could as a teacher. Right. So there was that piece as well. Okay. The goal was to create some sense of stability in, for myself, right? So I didn't have to worry about losing my job or getting laid off. I didn't have the constant bouncing around. It wasn't substitute teaching, so I wasn't everywhere all the time. It created a sense of stability. Right? All of the teaching jobs that I've had had a bigger sense of purpose. They were more than being just about me, and that's still true now. Teaching is just one of those professions where it's really not about the teacher as much as it is about what the students want to learn or what people want to gain from you, the knowledge that you're offering. But I've still worked in jobs, especially in the corporate world, training other people where it, where it was about me, more about me and what I could do and how quickly I could do it more than it was about what I was teaching or, or the students themselves, the people in the room themselves. I, I can remember I taught for one company 
and there's corporate training and they didn't want to spend money on training. So the point for me and the reason why they hired me, it was how fast can you get that knowledge into them? Can you take that four day training and make it three or two and a half? Can you cut the fluff out and figure out exactly what they need and only give them that? And the deal was that I could, and I did it, and I did it successfully for quite a while, and that's why they kept me. When the recession hit in 2008, I got laid off. Training was the first thing to go. Because they didn't want to pay for training. Awesome, Ken. Good. Right? They didn't want to pay for training. So, because they didn't want to pay for training, I was out of a job. So it was entirely about me and what I could do until I became too expensive for them. Right? But what that experience taught me what I learned in that was the value that I had as a teacher and what I could actually do teaching people, right? Not every teacher can take a four day training and turn it into a three day training or two and a half, cut out the fluff and make it work. Not everybody could drill quite the same way I could, right? It really taught me how to teach and how to teach really well. Give people what they need without the fluff. So talking <laughs> was something I learned actually not to do. The idea of expanding and making, telling all kinds of stories and doing that stuff was gone because I was so focused on how to do it quickly and efficiently so that people could get what they need and leave because that's what they wanted. And even when I taught computers later on, it was the same thing. It was people that wanted to get what they needed and get out because they weren't really there they, because they wanted to be. They were there because they had to be. Kids wanted the same thing when I taught kids in school. It was the same concept. It was get in and get out. I don't want to be here. Just teach me what I need to need to know and leave me alone. Or don't teach me it at all. I'd rather that. Can we just watch a movie? Those things were better. Right? So for me, though, the content had value, right? Because I actually liked what I was teaching. The content had value. And I had to figure out what to do with that in a world where my content didn't seem to have any value. I'd been taught that my content didn't have value. And it was one of the things that I got to sort out doing this. Because suddenly it was all about the content. It was all about me and what I was sharing and how I was showing up and what I was doing. Because now the audience is truly voluntary. Thank you, Ken. The audience is truly voluntary. So it is all about me. 
and what I share. And I can't cut out the fluff anymore. So I'm having to unlearn some of those things, which has been fascinating. It's been really, really fascinating to do that. Thank you, right? So, the, the, the thing here was the big why. Why do I teach, right? So for the longest time, and the reason I bounced around so much, I knew I wanted to teach, but I didn't know what were to whom. <laughs> and that was what I was searching for. So I would take on different jobs, I would do different things. I taught different groups of people. I did all kinds of stuff because I was looking for the right audience for myself. So I always left the subject and the audience open-ended. I didn't know yet what I was supposed to be doing. I do now. This is it. But that took a long time and I had to sort out a lot of pain to get there. <laughs> the stories are not my gift. They are something that I have had to come to. They are something that I've had to get okay with. And it took me a long time to be okay because there was a lot of pain there around not being perfect. If I'm not perfect, then I can't share that story. I thought it had to be perfect. No mistakes, no problems, no issues. Everything is just hunky-dory rosy. That was what I thought I needed to be able to share and if I couldn't share that then I just didn't share anything that was the pain that I was in right so here we are there's the focus on the problems right so all the problems <laughs> so now it's why you can't and why you shouldn't and what people aren't gonna like and maybe time and money and all the problems with what if the unknowns the, the world around you, right? So all of those things become excuses. Time and money is a big one, right? Let your mess be your message. And that's exactly what it's been for me. The mess is now the message. And it's, it's brilliant. It, it really is brilliant. But it took a long time to get there. I'm going to go in it here because we're going to start to talk about it. So the first one was, was the big ones for me were time and money. Time was a problem. Bills needed to be paid. It's a very time-oriented way of being in the world, right? Got to keep food on the table. Got to pay bills. Got to, got to do those things. Very time-oriented. And so I don't have time to do what I want to do because I got to pay the bills. So I have to do these other things to try to make money so that I can, do, I can keep the bills paid. That became the focus, right? So... I have a lot of books on Amazon right now. Most of them are really short. 
the reason they are really short is because I didn't think I had time to write longer things. I wouldn't put the time into it because it took me away from other activities that would bring in money quicker. Amazon has a two month delay on their payouts as well, right? So it isn't just the time writing the book. Now it's also the two month delay on it, right? On getting the money from the sale of the book. That, that's how Amazon is, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But because I was focused on here and now or the next problem in my life, the next thing I had to solve, I couldn't allow for that time delay. So I wrote books that were 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 pages because that was all I felt I had time to do. Right? So I was blocking myself because of a focus on the immediate problems in my life. Right? I also worried about the fact that no one would read them. So my solution to that, by the way, was to give them away for free. My solution with my courses, with all of my content, even with stuff like this, the solution to nobody will see it was to give it away for free. I didn't do that this time. And that's a big deal. Because I've stopped that pain. I stopped it. I'm not allowing the outside world to bother me that way anymore. So it doesn't affect what I do. And that's important, right? So I looked at that. I looked at time and money and said, I can't control that. It's just going to be what it is. And I'm going to do my own thing anyway. Thank you, Ken. Right? It was also a reason why not. Right? Nobody will pay attention. There's a reason why not. So now I'm arguing with it. I don't have a huge audience. Go figure. Right? And that's okay. The more I share, the more I show up, and the more I do, and the more I offer, the more people show up. That's the point. But I wasn't in that yet, and I couldn't even do it. So I got stuck. And the solution was to give everything away. That was it, right? Worried about other people, worried about money, worried about time, defending all of those problems, right? And then, yes, and that's awesome. And that's exactly what happens, right? That word of mouth, that is the point, right? So how was it? Did you enjoy that first half hour? You can buy the pre-recorded presentation for $17 over on my website, delaren.com. I will make sure the link is down below the podcast. I hope you enjoyed that. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Have an amazing week. Stay out of trouble. And I will be back on Thursday, hopefully. I know I missed last week. I'm sorry. I will try to be back on Thursday this week for another podcast. Have a great week, everybody. And we'll talk to you soon. This has been Della with Spirituality Unpacked. Take care, everybody. Bye for now. 
You have just been listening to Spirituality Unpacked with Delaren. Subscribe to my podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and don't miss new episodes every Monday and Thursday. Talk to you then.